Sports fans rejoice. You're listening to my team, my voice with MTMV Sports. What's going on, family? This is your boy DJ Preach, the founder of the Life Show Radio. And I see that you're doing great things right now by keeping it locked here on the MTMV Sports Podcast. Y'all better be talking about the Carolina Panthers. Let's go. What's good, Fight Fans? It's your man, the myth, the legend, the voice, and I've got something special for you this week. Because we have these dueling pay-per-views, I had to split up the information that I wanted to share with you. So, I had an interview with Ed Robinson, told you about that at the end of the main card, said I was going to give you information about both pay-per-views in the feed this specific podcast is giving you everything about ufc 253 and a little extra sit back relax and enjoy Hello, everybody. I'm Ed Robinson, and welcome to another exciting edition of The Robinson Show. I have him back on the program, The Voice. He is the boxing and MMA correspondent for the MTMV Sports Podcast Network. We're going to discuss UFC 253 between Adesanya versus Costa and amongst other things. And speaking of which, uh, he's on the program right now. We want to welcome him back to the program. But first, I'm going to let him introduce himself. Take it away. What's good, everybody? It's your man. The myth, the legend, the voice. All right, voice. Thank you so much for coming back on the program, man. And uh, we've got uh, UFC. We've got one of the most anticipated matchups of the year in in the UFC, and definitely this this has been um, in the makings for over a year now between Israel Adesanya going up against Paulo Costa for the UFC middleweight championship. We're gonna get to that match in detail in just a moment but let's begin with the featherweight crown between Hakeem Dewadu going up against uh, Zubara Tukakov now we know um, Hakeem is a striker he's known primarily for his striking skills and also his wrestling skills we know Zubara is a, a, has a similar fighting style he's someone that's kind of like a freestyle fighter if you would call it just kind of give me your take on this matchup this is such a good card to start things off with Dewadu has faced probably the stiffer competition in his career. He started off in the then World Series of Fighting, now the PFL, and then he came over to the UFC after that. Um, only has one loss, has one draw as well. His nickname is me, and he definitely has the right nickname because anytime you look at him during a fight, yeah, he, he just is mean mugging everybody. Now, he took offense recently when the UFC tried to exalt uh, Max Holloway as a Canadian fighter because he'd been doing many of his fights in Canada, was going to Raptors games, taking pictures with 
Drake and all that. He's like, look, I'm from Canada. How are you going to make somebody from Hawaii the Canadian fighter when I'm from Canada and I've I've been doing my thing? And that's understandable. He also has made some headlines this week because of the headlines that were made coming out of UFC Vegas 11, uh, where Kobe Covington had quite a few disparaging things to say about Black Lives Matter and uh, spreading some, uh, some falsehoods that have been out there but kept perpetuating those things and he has been saying a lot about that saying he doesn't appreciate it doesn't understand how he gets away with it so that has kind of raised the profile of this fight and the, just the, the matchup itself is why it's the voices marquee matchup Duwadu brings it every single time and he seems to get better each fight that he's been uh, in the UFC now Ira he is also a very skilled fighter. He is a member of Habib Nurmagomedov's camp. So he trains with him in Russia as well as at AKA in California. Zubaira also has the distinction of being the person who sucker punched Conor McGregor in the back of the head during that brawl when, or should say after, Nurmagomedov defeated McGregor. Zubaira has been doing all right in the, the UFC. You know, it's kind of like a fringe person, but he's, he's won his last bout. He's a bit he's a bit taken aback so this time, and it, it's going to be interesting to see how he conducts himself in this fight because this is the first fight that he's had without his head coach, Khabib's father, Abdulmanov Nurmagomedov, who died due to COVID complications a couple months ago. So it's going to be interesting to see. You know, he'll be fighting for the the legacy of his coach and to honor him, whereas Duwadu is looking to go out and make a statement because of the things that have been going on in the press recently uh, due to all of the, the social protests that we see across the world. Right. It's, it's going to be an interesting matchup right right there between uh, Duwadu and also uh, Kubara. We're going to talk more about the... Uh, the Colby Covington situation in just one moment. That was definitely a volatile situation right then. I want to get your your, in, your input on this, but the next matchup is expected to be a pretty good one and we have the Women's Bantamweight Championship between uh, Ketlin Vieira going up against uh, Cijara Eubanks. Now, again, Voice, you know I've, I've mentioned uh, when we've been doing these, uh, when I've had you on my, my program about Brazilian fighters and uh, uh, Caitlin is someone that's um, She's tough in her own right. She's uh, Her style is uh, BJJ, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, also Judo, kickboxing, and wrestling. So she's somewhat, she's only lost uh, one match, and that was uh, back in December of last year. And as for uh, Cijara Eubank, she's one that's definitely, um, she's relatively new to the MMA world. I had the pleasure of interviewing a, a lady by the name of Nigel Rollins, who became the first African-American woman to earn a black belt in Brazil. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and she mentioned Cijara Eubanks as one of the few black women that have practiced Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So, um, Caitlin's been around for a minute. Cijara is still uh, someone that's getting her feet wet, relatively new to the MMA world. Just give me your take on this matchup. Well, a couple things. One, I, I think you said this is a championship about nothing. You may have said that about the other one, too. Uh, they're fighting for, with the hopes of being able to uh, challenge 
for the championship. The champion right now is uh, yet another uh, Brazilian. Uh, Amanda Delanis Nunez. But uh, yeah, the, the two championship bouts are the main and the, the co main for this one. Uh, Sarge has actually been around a while. She fought in Invicta. That's really where she got her start. And then she was a member of the Ultimate Fighters cast when uh, they they were um, they were having the Ultimate Fighter cast for the 125 pound featherweight title. So they brought in all these ladies for that. She came in and, and began fighting there. She's a bit too heavy for 125, and she kept having issues with making weight she was supposed to fight for the inaugural title and was favored going in unfortunately she missed weight and could not fight at all uh so Roxanne Modafferi stepped in on short notice to uh to take care of that but yeah Sarge has been around a while uh she found out after joining the UFC that she and uh Tyreek Woodley are cousins so you know, just a, a little fun fact there. She, again, she's a, a BJJ specialist, uh, has been doing that for a while, uh, has leaned on that primarily as far as her fighting discipline is concerned. Where Ketlin, she comes from Nova Yao. We know they are excellent when it comes to uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as well as striking. This is the same camp that produced champions like Jose Aldo Jr. and Hinton Morale. Also, BJ Penn is trained and know who Yao's as well as Junior Dos Santos. So, it's a famed gym, one of the best gyms in Brazil. Uh, so, she's she's been doing her thing, you know, sharpening her sword against some of the best. One of the things that'll be interesting about this fight for her is that her coach, the head of Novo Yao, Dele Pedneris, he could not come to Fight Island because they say he tested positive for COVID. Now, he tested positive for COVID some months ago, but when they did the test again, it may have been a false positive. Maybe that he got it again. We don't know, but he tested positive. They would not let him uh, into Abu Dhabi for the fight. I don't think he even got a chance to leave Brazil. Uh, so that'll be interesting. Flynn's um, lost to Irena Aldana in her last fight. That was really surprising. Wasn't looking, or I should say, I was not expecting that. I honestly thought that with that win, she would be challenging for the title. Uh, that's her only loss, and she had been really, really doing a lot. Was on a four-fight win streak within the UFC, much less being undefeated overall. So um, that, that's what I saw happening, and I think really with another win maybe two should be right back uh, in the mix Sarge just started fighting at uh, bantamweight again she came in uh, as a feather I mean not featherweight but a flyweight uh, she just could not make the weight and, and decided to move up and start fighting at lightweight I'm not lightweight at bantamweight and even there she's had mixed results she lost to Aspen Ladd she lost to Betch uh, both of those uh, were last year since then she's gone on to fight winning streak none of them have stopped you though so you know with this fight if it it be in Ketlin's favor uh, if it goes the distance uh, it really could be anyone's fight 
All right, the next matchup that we have is a flyweight fight between Kaikara France going up against Brandon Royville. Now, Kaikara's been around for a minute. Again, his style is, is kickboxing. If you ever watch them fight, you know, they, you know, kick the people that had the kickboxing style. It's high energy. It's it's very high impact. And his, um, his last fight, he won by unanimous decision. So we've got a tie going up against Brandon Royville. Now, now boys, can you just give us some more details about Brandon Royville and uh, this matchup he's got coming up against Kai? Absolutely. Uh, Roy Vaughn fights out of Factory X Muay Thai in Colorado. Has a lot of, of good training partners there. That's uh, one of the premier gyms uh, in Colorado. He has really been doing his thing since coming over into the UFC. Uh, is undefeated since coming to the UFC. He, like many others, started as uh, an LFA champion. So usually if you win the LFA championship, uh, that's pretty much like a ticket into the UFC. And that's what happened for him. Uh, fortunately for him, he did not have to go through the contender series to do so, uh, but he came into the UFC uh, last year and has been beating everyone. Uh, and not just beating them, but beating them soundly. Uh, he stopped Nate Williams in his UFC debut with an arm bar. And then he beat tough champion Kim Elliott. And not only did he beat him, he submitted him with an arm triangle in the second round of their fight in May of this year. So uh, this is an excellent, excellent fight. With the flyweight division being as light as it is, no pun intended, every fight is important because every fight puts the winner just in a stone's throw distance from fighting for the title. Kaikar France is out of Auckland, New Zealand. He trains with the champion, uh, Israel Adesanya, out of city kickboxing. Uh, he's been around for a while he also was a part of the ultimate fighter however uh and and he was a part of the series that tim elliott was a part of uh, but he did not come directly into the ufc as did uh, others that were a part of that specific season of uh the ultimate fighter he stayed out he was undefeated at that time but they didn't like what they saw as far as um that's what he did within uh, the Ultimate Fighter, if I'm not mistaken. And I may be mistaken. I thought he was on the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, he, he was. He was. But um, they didn't like what they saw. So he went over to Ryzen for a little while, bounced around. Uh, and then a couple years later, came into the UFC, won his first three. The only loss he's had was to Brandon Moreno. And there's no shame in that. Moreno is, or I should say, the, the only loss that he's had in the UFC that's been sanctioned, uh, not the exhibition bouts that took place during the 24th season of, of Tough, where they were fighting to see who would take on Demetrius Johnson for the title. He lost to Brandon Moreno. Brandon Moreno, uh, the assassin baby, has the right name because he's a killer, and he is challenging the new champion for the title. So he'll be fighting Devinson Figueredo at the end of this year. No shame there. He bounced back with a win over Tyson Nam, which that win has aged very, very well. Nam has been on a roll as of late. 
yeah, it, it should be a really, really good fight uh, to see how everything plays out. Roy Vaughn, you know, he, he's, I, I would say of the two, he's probably the harder hitter. Kaikar France is a very well-rounded fighter. Uh, he can get it done on the feet. He can get it done on the ground. You know, his, his nickname is Don't Blink because he does have quite a few uh, wins by way of knockout. You know, again, it should just be a really good fight. Specifically with it being flyweight, everyone is knocking on the door of the title. All right, boys, we have our co-main event, which is expected to be a great light heavyweight fight. We've got Dominic Reyes going up against Jan Blakowicz. Now, Dominic is uh, only has only lost one one match, and that was back in February to John Bones Jones. But other than that, he's been pretty mm-hmm. key. He's been um, taking down uh, some quality opponents in the division, such as Chris Weidman and uh, Ovid St. Prue. And as for uh, Jan, I mean, again, he's he's been around for a while as well. He won his last fight by uh, beating uh, Corey Anderson. Well, this was actually a rematch mm-hmm. that he had with Corey. So these two have similar fighting styles. Jan is trained in Brazilian jiu-jitsu as well as uh, Dominic. So this is going to be pretty much a, a, a even fight all across the board. Just give me your take on, on this matchup. I'm glad to see this fight taking place. It'll be the first time in a decade or so that the champion will be someone other than John Jones or Daniel Cormier. I'm really happy for Jan to be in this position because after his loss to Thiago Santos last year, I really thought, okay, well, he's just, you know, kind of out there or whatever. You know, he beat Luke Rocco, which a breeze can beat Luke Rocco these days. His chin is not what it used to be. Got a split decision over Chakra Souza in what was a snoozer. Then he beat Corey Anderson. Anderson was right up there for a title matchup. It just knocked out and derailed the hype train for uh, Johnny Walker. So it was really expected that Anderson would do the same with Blakovich. But Jan knocked him out in the first round. And Jan though obviously he has power and can knock people out that's generally not how he gets things done the last time that he had a knockout before doing that to Corey Anderson was back in 2014 in his UFC debut now granted he knocked out uh, the man who looks like he's chiseled out of granite Hilarion Tifi but that's just not something that you normally associate with Jan Blahovic as far as Dominic Reyes, I really see this, and he has stated this as well, as more so of a de facto title defense. Because in my eyes, John Jones lost his last two fights. Tiago Santos, someone else who Jan has faced and been defeated by. And he also lost, in my eyes, to Dominic Reyes. Reyes like, look, this is my belt. I'm an uncrowned champion. And I see this as my first title defense. And I do see it that way as such. He's such a great athlete. More than likely, that's what he will lean on as far as uh, this fight is concerned. We just stated that Jan has had, what, two knockouts since 2014, so over the past six years, where the Devastator, he gets that done in much uh, 
quicker fashion. I mean, he, he knocked out Chris Weidman in 2019, knocked out Jerry Cannonier in 2018, knocked out Joaquin Christensen in 2017. So, like, every other fighter, so at least within the UFC, he's been knocking people out. Now, when he was on the regional scene, the vast majority of his wins were by knockout. He started off his career, uh, everyone out. So his first six fights before getting to the UFC, they were all by way of stoppage. And then he continued that when he entered the UFC. As far as having the power advantage or having the advantage in striking, that definitely goes to Dominic Reyes. The ground would go to Blahovic. Will this be a uh, striker versus grappler match? I don't know. But all of the signs point to Reyes winning, which is a good thing for Blahovic coming in as a moderate underdog and not having much pressure on him that way or much expectation opens him up to be able to go in and, and shock the world as he has done in some recent fights. All right, boys. Well, now we've uh, discussed our co-main event. Now it's time for the main event. And this has been over a year in the making. A lot of trash talking, a lot of craziness has happened leading up to this event. And we're finally here. It's the main event for the UFC Middleweight Championship. We have the champion Israel Adesanya defending his title up against Paulo Costa. Now, this matchup is interesting, boys, because both of these fighters are undefeated. There's been a lot of trash talking. And, <laughs> you know, boys, it's... I mean, this this is this is gonna be if if it's hyped up, it this thing has been hyped up for over a year now, and hopefully, a lot of people are expecting that the fight is gonna live up to the hype. You've got two contrasting styles with these two fighters. How do you see uh, this this one playing out? Oh man, um, I am so looking forward to this fight. Let me first say this, and I share this with people quite often when it comes to covering fight sports I do my level best to be as unbiased as possible uh, you know I'm honest about things as a human being we all have our biases one of my biases is that I love people that are like me if you are from St. Louis as Tyron Woodley doesn't matter who you're fighting what your record is I am pulling for you and I am saying I want you to win another bias that I have is that I am Nigerian not only am I Nigerian but I am Yoruba and not only is he also from the same tribe one of his names is just a little bit different than my first name so of course I'm pulling for, for Izzy does Costa have the ability to beat him yes because I believe anyone and everyone can be caught and that is what the eraser Boashinha that means eraser in Portuguese that's what he does he erases people by knocking them clean out by separating them from consciousness however when you look at Costa's record to be undefeated absolutely and this is the first time Rashad Evans and Yoda Machida fought each other back in 2009 so it's been well over a decade since you had two undefeated fighters facing one another for the championship 
like I said, Costa has knocked so many people out and has, you know, just really put it on those people that he's faced. He hasn't faced the same level of competition that Izzy has faced. Uh, Izzy is also uh, a very seasoned striker. He has so many kickboxing matches on top of the 19 MMA fights that he's had. You know, as far as striking is concerned, like I said, he's the much more seasoned, much more experienced person. Costa doesn't, to my knowledge, he doesn't really have a ground game. The one thing that is the wild card in this is actually Costa, his, his corner, his coach, uh, Eric Albaracine, is a phenomenal, phenomenal coach. He doesn't get all of the praise that he should. He's the man who helped Kelvin Gastelum almost beat Israel Adesanya. So he's got that experience on that end. He is the man who has led uh, Patricio Pitbull to be the double champ in Bellator and led former double champ Triple C, <laughs> Henry Cejudo, to attain both of those championships in the UFC. So he's got high-level mind when it comes to fighting and he's game plan for Israel before. Now granted Costa and Gasolum have different styles and different skill sets as a wild card uh, aspect of it. They said that Costa's weight cut has been one of the best that he's ever had. We'll see how that impacts things. Will he have more energy? Will he show us some wrinkles that we haven't seen before? Or will he come straight forward as he has in all of his other fights? If he does, it's going to be a quick night. And just tailor-made for Israel. Israel is a counter-fighter. He knows how to read people. Uh, he knows their tendencies. Very, very intelligent. One of the most intelligent fighters uh, that's out there. A true student of the game. It should be wonderful. Like I said, I, I am totally biased on this one. I will be wearing my Israel Adesanya t-shirt while I'm watching the fight. And I'm definitely <laughs> pulling for him. However, I know that on paper, everything seems to be one way. But in reality, you don't know what's going to happen. And I would be foolish to say that Costa has no chance of beating Israel. I still am pulling for my man, the last style bender, uh, to do the thing. I hear that voice. You know, well, one thing is for certain. One thing is for sure. You can never count out anybody on on any given day, especially in the octagon or any or any sporting event for that matter. But uh, Israel, currently the middleweight champion, and looking to continue his reign as he defends his title against Paulo Costa. I want to stay with both of these fighters for a moment. Voice, both of these fighters. I'm looking at their upbringings and their backgrounds. Complete opposite. Israel uh, was born in uh, Lagos, Nigeria, and um, mm-hmm. spent a little bit of time there and then he relocated to Ghana for a little while and then his parents his family relocated to New Zealand in order to make sure that um, they wanted their children to receive a, a good quality education now Adesanya was not involved in sports in, in um, high school or, or he really didn't pick up really didn't play sports in his free time he was interested in a Japanese anime which was interesting but he was bullied throughout his high school years and that was what led him to pick up martial arts now 
Paulo Costa is a different situation. His brother uh, was involved in the martial arts and his dad had passed away and he was involved in um, getting in a little bit of trouble. But um, his brother encouraged him to get back into uh, martial arts. He became successful at it. And these two have had uh, polar opposite of upbringings. Do you think upbringings or, or certain backgrounds provide in the development of MMA, fire, MMA fighters? Or do you think it's pretty neutral? It can play a role in how well you do. Generally, that's seen, though, on the regional level. That's where you really see things happen. When you get to the major leagues generally, and I, I stress that generally because there have been quite a few signings that the UFC has made recently where it doesn't fall into this category. But generally, once you get to the UFC, it's all fairly even because they've all been fighting for a while. Again, for Israel specifically, not only does he have six more fights than Costa had in MMA, he's got dozens of kickboxing fights. So as far as living a martial life, and not just a martial life, because you can be an excellent, excellent martial artist and be a beast in the gym but under the bright lights things are different uh, Izzy has shined both in kickboxing as well as in the UFC he has main evented a number of times both at home in New Zealand or just in the Oceania region in the US he's done it all this is the first time Costa will be in a main event for the UFC now granted there's nobody around so and they're fighting in a empty flash form, you still have the, the weight of being a main event. You still have the media responsibilities that go along with this. These are all things that are new to Costa. This is Izzy's life. He's been in main events since his third UFC fight for the most part. The, the, after that, the only one that he wasn't a main event for was his fight against Derek Bronson. This is old hat for him, uh, and that gives him the uh, the advantage. Vegas has it pretty even, but when you look at experience in fighting, advantage out of sign. Okay, fair enough. I just thought it was a little bit interesting because I was looking at the backgrounds of these fighters, and I just wanted to say that Izzy is a, uh, an accomplished dancer. He competed in dance competitions across New Zealand, so um, definitely, I should say, well, a renaissance man, so to speak, a very interesting person. So that's our main event, and that's our card for UFC 253. Voice, you mentioned this earlier, and I definitely want to get your thoughts on this. We saw Colby Covington go up against uh, your, your hometown man, Tyron Woodley. Covington won the match, but his comments at the end of the match was very disheartening and me being as an african-american man you being of african descent and anybody of color would find his comments to be uh very disheartening basically for those that had not heard it colby made some disparaging remarks towards the black lives matter movement and he also had some very uh, distasteful comments for lebron james and showing his support for uh, President Donald Trump and saying what a great president he is. And then President Trump called him right at the, uh, at the post-fight interview. So, boys, just give me your thoughts on uh, the Colby situation. And do you think Dana White and the UFC handled the situation properly by just letting, not just him, but letting, letting the athletes voice their uh, political beliefs? As far as allowing athletes 
to voice their political beliefs. There's been a change. There's been a change with that. Her name escapes me right now. Angela Hill. Angela Hill spoke about wanting to wanting to say something about Black Lives Matters when she came out of the tough house back in two, or 2014 or 16. It, 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 no, it was 2016. It was right after Trayvon and right around the time that uh, everything happened with Mike Brown, something else that is very near and dear to my heart as being a resident of the St. Louis metropolitan area and my life being directly impacted by those riots. There are places that I can't shop at anymore because of those riots because I live like with about a mile away from Ferguson. Uh, you know, there, there are places that I see that are changed and are not the same. Some of that for the better, some of that for the worse because of what happened. And really that's something that fueled Kobe and what he said. Am I surprised? No, because this has been his shtick for quite some time and he did it with the express purpose of trying to be uh, the the anti-hero against we fought Tyron Woodley because Tyron Woodley is from first Tyron Woodley was on the front lines when everything happened uh, with Mike Brown Tyron Woodley throughout the lead up to the fight wore and spoke about social injustice and things of that nature that's really kind of what fueled much of this again allowing them to speak I think is good because like I was saying Angela Hill wanted to say something but they wouldn't allow her to she was allowed to say those things in the lead up to her fight with Michelle Watterson which took place a couple weeks ago so for the past two weeks there have been athletes speaking about Black Lives Matters so if that can be said then people who feel the way or at least act like they feel the way that Kobe Covington Active, should have the right to speak what they believe to be true as well. Kobe's shtick is just that. It's a shtick. Is he a supporter of Trump? Yes. Yes, he is. Is he as abrasive in real life and really about that life? No, he's not. And that's been proven time and time again for those who are hardcores and have seen him. He will talk real big and bad on the microphone but then when face to face with people he's quiet he uh is yelling after the fight at Kamaru Usman I'm gonna when I see you I'm gonna I'm gonna get you well when Usman saw him in the line for the buffet Kobe was running scared because Usman was about that life and and confronted him on that as a matter of fact Usman, his manager Ali Abdelaziz, cannot enter the Palms Casino at all. They've been banned for life because of the interaction. So again, it, it's a shtick for Kobe, uh, much like I believe it's a shtick for Candace Owens. Are there things that they do believe and you know, are they conservative? Yes. Do I believe that he is for the troops? Absolutely, because he spends his own time, his own money going and doing things for them. Do I believe he's for first responders? Absolutely. Do I think that he's behind police officers and things? Yes. And I'm not saying that any of that is wrong. What I am saying is wrong is don't further the narrative of domestic terrorism because that's not what the Black Lives Matter movement is about. Am I for Black Lives Matter movement? 
and this is just me speaking honestly uh, and earnestly, I can't say that I support them wholeheartedly because there are things that they push, agendas that they push that I'm not with. Am I for people saying that Black Lives Matter and trying to get social justice for those who have been wronged? Absolutely. One thing that Kobe said, which really was silly on his part, was that Black Lives Matter, you're always supporting, you know, criminals and, and things of that nature, and, you know, whatever. Now, I'm for America. Kobe Covington is a convicted felon. He's a convicted felon. You're a criminal. The same people that supposedly Black Lives Matter is supporting, you're one of them. That was in your past as it very well was or may have been in the lives of those people that were killed. Just because they have done wrong in their lives does not mean that their lives do not matter, does not mean that their lives are worthless and or that they can be mistreated because they've done something wrong. If people treated him the same way that George Floyd was treated or that the young man who uh, was shot in uh, Minneapolis, if he was treated that way, there'd be enough. He would not like that. When he you mean uh, has the land of Castile, huh? No, no, not Philando Castillo. Jake, Jacob Blake. Jacob, Jacob Blake. Blake is in Wisconsin. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. I know she was Wisconsin. Uh, George Floyd was in Minnesota, so I had my locations mixed up. I apologize. But in, anyway, you you can't say those kind of things. Or I shouldn't say you can't say them. You can say whatever you want to. But you show your hypocrisy when you make statements like that. And that's why I have the issue. Don't push a false narrative just for, for clickbaiting and for, for, for clout. That's not right. Yeah, that was just awful for him to say things like that. But like you said before, and I wasn't aware of this neither till you mentioned that Kobe was a, uh, is a convicted felon. I wasn't aware of that either, man. But uh, you, you definitely shed some light on that. I want to stay on this particular topic for a moment. We know that UFC President Dana White attended the Republican National Convention, and we know that he is a supporter of Donald Trump. Can you tell us, boys, would there be any type of sanctions to put in place if the people, if the fighters that are signed to the UFC continue to make any stances on uh, political and social injustices happening in the world? Anything is possible. The probability is very, very low, though, because, as you stated, not only was Dana White at the conference, but he spoke both last election cycle at the Republican National Convention and this election cycle at the Republican National Convention. As far as that's concerned, he really can't say that you can't say anything because he's actively involved in it. He has commissioned a uh, documentary about Donald Trump's involvement with the UFC. As a matter of fact, Ali Abdelaziz, the manager of Kamaru Usman was at a rally with Kobe Covington, with Henry Segudo, and with Justin Gaethje, and uh, Dana White a week before the fight. Can they sanction things? You really cannot, because you're going to open up a legal world of trouble. And Dana says as much as like, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to stop them from saying anything, because he really cannot. Both because of the optics with what he's done, he really can't say anything. You know, he tried to when Connor and Habib had their things going on because that, that actually was much worse than what's going on right now. 
but yeah, he he he's not going to say anything. Let me say that. I don't believe unless there's pressure put on him from the top. And when I say the top, I mean Disney, because Disney is a major partner of the UFCs by hosting all of their fights on ESPN, by being the, the persons who own the pay-per-views. Uh, unless they put pressure on him to do something, it's not going to happen. All right, fair enough. And then, as you mentioned about uh, Fight Island, UFC 253 returns to Fight Island at Abu Dhabi. Uh, but, you know, boys, so real quickly before we let you get on out of here, you know, the UFC's returning to Abu Dhabi. What a major success it was for Dana White to have the UFC over in Abu Dhabi. Uh, I know we're still in the midst of a pandemic. How long do you think we'll continue? Do you, they'll continue to have fights over at uh, at Fight Island? Well, and I think I, I shared this. In our recap show uh, last time, there was a pay-per-view uh, in Abu Dhabi. Well, number one, they're fighting in what they call the Flash form. Just for a bit of the history, Flash is a division of the Abu Dhabi government that handles tourism. Flash used to own about 10% of the UFC once they were sold to W-M-E-I-N-G they were bought out of that situation the UFC has a contract with the government of Abu Dhabi through Flash to bring fights to Abu Dhabi annually so as long as this quarantine is in place they will vacillate between Vegas and Abu Dhabi I, I truly believe that as long as we're going through what we're going through with COVID that's where you will fights happening. Abu Dhabi because it is international for all their international fighters cannot get into the United States and with having an in with the government yeah it's not going to be that difficult for fighters to see visas to fight in Fight Island and then you know if, if not there if it's domestic then it'll be in Vegas. All right, fair enough. So they're going to UFC 253 taking place at uh, the Flash Forum and on UFC Fight Island in Abu Dhabi. All right, boys.